What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... <coughs> I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Behind the Mic with Audiophile Magazine. And to celebrate National Poetry Month, I have Alison Larkin. Alison Larkin is a comedian, actress, and novelist. In fact, her wonderful novel, The English American, began as an autobiographical one-woman comedy show about an adopted English woman who finds her birth parents and herself in the United States. But Allison is also an award-winning audiobook narrator. And while she's narrated a wide range of books, from M.C. Beaton to the complete works of Jane Austen to all 12 books in Arthur Ransom's English children's series, Swallows and Amazons, and one of my all-time favorites, The Secret Garden. I asked her to stop by today to talk about English light verse, the limericks she grew up with on that side of the pond, and the nonsense poems embedded in classics like Alice in Wonderland, Through the Looking Glass, and Peter Pan and the Inconsiderate Waiter, all of which she's narrated. Hello, Allison. Welcome. Hello. Hello, Joe. Thank you so much for coming by. You know, in thinking about this show, I was, I was thinking, you know, maybe the British are so predisposed to poetry because they grew up hearing poems and limericks and rhymes from early childhood. Yes, I think that's true. I remember my mother used to read me A.A. A. Milne and Edward Lear and nursery rhymes. And during this COVID period, <laughs> I find that I've been, I've been going back to them and, and rereading them. And so I was absolutely thrilled when you asked me to come on and, and talk to you about this. And I think it is quite British, actually. I, I remember we used to find the limericks absolutely hilarious. And I had an uncle who would insist on, <laughs> on reciting Hilaire Belloc at the lunch table whenever we arrived. And uh, these, these horrible stories of cautionary tales. And it was very much part of growing up. Give us a limerick now. What about Edward Lear, whom I completely adore? Well, my favorite was the chief defect of Henry King. The chief defect of Henry King was chewing little bits of string. At last, he swallowed some which tied itself in ugly knots inside. Physicians of the utmost fame came at once, but when they came, they answered as they took their fees, There is no cure for this disease. Henry will very soon be dead. 
His parents stood about his bed, lamenting his untimely death, while Henry, with his latest breath, cried, Oh, my friends, be warned by me that breakfast, dinner, lunch and tea are all the human frame requires. With that, the wretched child expires. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> I knew that by heart. And it's, just, it's a horrible story. But we found it extremely amusing, and I still do. Oh, it is funny. And, you know, in thinking about it, there's food in so much of English rhymes and nonsense poems. Food figures. Think of the lobster quadrille. Well, yes, the lobster quadrille. And, of course, the king's breakfast well, by a a. <laughs> Which I remember I used to be absolutely enraptured as my mother read it to me. Would you like me to read it? I would love to have you read it. Please do. Please do. Okay. The King's Breakfast by A.A. Milne. The king asked the queen, and the queen asked the dairymaid, could we have some butter for the royal slice of bread? The queen asked the dairymaid. The dairymaid said, certainly, I'll go and tell the cow now before she goes to bed. The dairymaid, she curtsied and went and told the Alderney, don't forget the butter for the royal slice of bread. The Alderney said sleepily, you'd better tell his majesty that many people nowadays like marmalade instead. The dairymaid said, fancy, and went to her majesty. She curtsied to the Queen, and she turned a little red. Excuse me, Your Majesty, for taking of the liberty, but marmalade is tasty if it's very thickly spread. The Queen said, Oh, and went to His Majesty, talking of the butter for the royal slice of bread. Many people think that marmalade is nicer. Would you like to try a little marmalade instead? The King said, Bother. And then he said, Oh, Deary me. The king sobbed, Oh, deary me, and went back to bed. Nobody, he whimpered, could call me a fussy man. I only want a little bit of butter for my bread. The queen said, There, there, and went to the dairymaid. The dairymaid said, There, there, and went to the shed. The cow said, There, there, I didn't really mean it. Here's milk for his porringer and butter for his bread. The Queen took the butter and brought it to His Majesty. The King said, Butter, eh? And bounced out of bed. Nobody, he said as he kissed her tenderly. Nobody, he said as he slid down the banisters. Nobody, my darling, could call me a fussy man. But I do like a little bit of butter for my bread. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. (laughs) Oh, that is a wonderful poem. Isn't it? What book does that come from? That actually comes from when we were very young, and I have Mm. decided, and it's all your fault, Joe, it's you and Robin Witten. (laughs) I can't resist it. I'm going to have to read it this year and bring it out. It's it's When We Were Very Young um, by A.A. Milne. 
And and they're just... You can picture this king, this poor king, longing for his butter. And it, for some reason, I used to find it totally entrancing. And I, I find now, my theory on this, this business is <laughs> that we... We have absolutely no control over what's happening at the moment, but we do have some control over what we give our attention to. <laughs> so I'm having a lovely time uh, going back to the king's breakfast and picturing him whisking down that banister. Oh, it's wonderful. It is. And there is something so comforting about books that we read or were read to us when we were young. It always brings me back. To a certain yes. place, like The Secret Garden, which you read, oh. which I love that book. Oh. You know, it was really interesting. I avoided The Secret Garden. I avoided narrating it for a long time because I remember finding it quite frightening. It's the same with Jane Eyre, which I've also just finished. Both of the characters were adopted, as I was. As I read it... I fell deeply in love with the book, and I, I, I think it's one of the most exciting and precious books I've ever narrated. It's really interesting because if you think about what we're all living through right now, we're, we're all longing for connection. We're all isolated, just as Mary Lennox is isolated, and just as, as well, I, for those of you who haven't read it, there's another character who's very isolated, but they do come together. And they come together with nature as spring comes and a garden grows. And and it's, a, it's really about connection. And I think that's something that we're all longing for at the moment. And when we can't have it in person, we can connect with each other through great literature as well. But it, it's very resonant at the moment, I think. I completely agree. And speaking of great literature, you've narrated all of Jane Austen. <laughs> but you also pointed out to me that when she was young, she also <laughs> turned her hand to some light verse. She did. Yes. You Could know, I have the I've, backstory? Yes, I can tell you a bit about it. I actually have been fortunate enough to become very good friends with the Austin family, with uh, Caroline Jane Knight, who's Jane Austen's fifth great niece. They've really welcomed me into the family. She told me about the fact that, you know, Jane Austen used to write poems and, and sort of doggerel. And they used to entertain each other as a family after supper because, of course, there was no television or internet then. One of the things that Jane Austen would do would be to write silly poems for her sisters and family. And I found some of these and decided to add them to the end of Northanger Abbey and Persuasion. So we had it. There was a double bill and we added these poems, which hadn't been published, but were absolutely charming. And there's one of them. Here's one of them, which I think she wrote well, certainly as, as a teenager. And and this is this is the poem. <laughs> I've a pain in my head, said the suffering Beckford to her doctor, so dread. Oh, what shall I take for it? Said this doctor, so dread, whose name it was Newnham, for this pain in your head. Ah, what can you do, ma'am? Said Miss Beckford, suppose if you think there's no risk, I take a good dose of calomel brisk. What a praiseworthy notion, replied Mr. Newnham. You shall have such a potion. And so will I too, ma'am. <laughs> but you can imagine she probably possibly had a hypochondriac <laughs> sister or cousin or something who was constantly saying, oh, I'm so ill. And so this was written on a napkin. 
and and found, you know, years later. And of course, it's very silly, but it's very, very English. You're absolutely, it's a very English thing to do to write silly verse. Well, you've narrated Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. And I'm just wondering, as a narrator, what do you do with these poems when you get to them in the middle of this story? Well, you just go with the character. You you have to. And I tend to want to just go into it. I, I get very involved when I'm narrating audiobooks and I have to feel everything with the characters and you just you just go with it. And I remember actually doing Tweedledum and Tweedledee are in through through the looking glass and they suddenly start to recite the walrus and the carpenter to um, poor Alice and I, I was thinking what, what do they sound like do they sound like and I and I, I knew the poem as a child but suddenly as I was reading Tweedledum and Tweedledee I thought they sounded a bit like that and so they they came forward in character and they the sun was shining on the sea shining with all his might he did his very best to make the billows smooth and bright and this was odd because it was the middle of the night <laughs> you have to kind of just go with the character and, and, and hope for the best. <laughs> and I think that is a good place to leave it, Alison. Thank you so much. And let me remind listeners that the books you narrated that we talked about, like Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass and Peter Pan and the Inconsiderate Waiter, and quite a few more that are similar the Princess and the Goblin, I think, is a good one for this time. There's there's limericks and, and things, yeah. And I took also, I went to Hans Christian Andersen and Grimm, and I found all the stories in which, instead of waiting around to be rescued by a man on a white horse, the girls took control of their own adventures and saved themselves and sometimes the men they loved. And I put that together as fairy tales of the fiercer sex. And there's all these wonderful stories about very strong girls that have been actually around for hundreds of years. So all of, the, all of them are on alisonlarkinpresents.com. And we've got a sale at the moment because apparently there's a virus going around. And I thought it might be helpful if we discounted books. So if anyone's interested, they're, they're there. That's wonderful. Alison, thank you so much. Oh, it's such a pleasure. It was a pleasure, a pleasure to talk to you as well. Support for Behind the Mic comes from Naxos Audiobooks. Fiona Shaw reads A Vindication of the Rights of Woman the original feminist manifesto written by Mary Wollstonecraft. Wollstonecraft was the mother of Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein, and you can find them both at naxusaudiobooks.com. I'm Joe Reed. Talk to you tomorrow. 